0: Good morning. It's so good to be together. One of my all-time favorite scenes right there from the office. And it's one of the reasons I don't make formal requests of my, uh, the folks here at Storyline. Anything could happen, right? So Michael Scott is for sure just a terrible boss. Like in so many ways. But at least in this scene, he's crystal clear like a- about the question at hand. And he does. He makes a formal request. And it's interesting to me that we get that our term quest it's derived from the word question and that means a good question is supposed to set us off on a quest like in a direction for a purpose you might say on a mission and so this morning i thought it might be helpful for us to wrap up this series of talks we've been doing on questions that god is asking us by morphing it just a little bit into what is God asking of us? What is God asking of us? And my hope is that we'll discover by wondering about this together, though we may not arrive at an answer or a solution, that we will find ourselves pointed in a direction, like set off on a common quest, unleashed into a mission that will give our lives a sense of purpose and meaning that I think answers, even if we had them, fail to provide. So as I was preparing for today, I was thinking, this is like a huge topic, complicated. So um, I turned to this brand new resource that I heard about, and um, this is what this author wrote about this. The questions that God asks in the Bible serve as opportunities for individuals to gain a deeper understanding of God's nature and plan for their lives and help to bring individuals closer to God I, I really like that I thought wow, that's pretty good by the way if you're wondering who wrote it it was ChatGBT, GBT the online artificial intelligence robot wrote that I'm not kidding that's true I asked it the question why does God ask us questions and I got that in response it's so good it's really good actually and I'm super excited about it now cuz I've written my last talk I think. <laughs> and more than that I am now looking online and you guys help me out if you if you find this for sing GPT because if I could find that we could cut a lot of the fluff around here. So right? Do <laughs> we really need this guy? I don't think so. Anyways, but even a robot knows, even a robot knows that when God asks questions he isn't really after an answer because he, he already has the answer, right? And we've seen this in the book of Genesis that we've been looking at the last few weeks. And, and these are some of the questions that God asks Adam and Eve in the first few chapters of the Bible. And we never get the impression that God is not, like, aware of the answer. These questions are invitations for Adam to begin a quest, like, into himself. A couple weeks ago, I shared some of the questions that storyliners have sent to me over the years about questions they believe that God is asking them. And here's just a few, and I had it's a super long list, and and I think you'll kind of see this same theme. These are questions that are inviting people to look inward at themselves, not really for answers. So um, what I'm hoping here is that as we're wondering what is God asking of us, that we will start to feel that sense of direction as well. Looking inward and then what does that do for a sense of direction for us? So what I did is I went back over the course of the last four or five years and I looked at some of the titles of some of our gatherings that had questions in them and looked at some of these that really resonated with people and I I tend to know that because I, I get so much feedback every week And so here's a few of the questions that really resonated recently. So questions like this, and that we did talks on. Who are you brokenhearted for? Or what does love look like? Or do we really believe Jesus knew what he was doing? And as we explored these questions together, it generated a quest for us in some sense. It gave us a sense of direction, I think, uh, as a community. For example... Uh, there's a joy only the brokenhearted can know. Or accepted as we are, loved at our worst, forgiven before we ask. And the best church for us is the church that maybe is, isn't for us, it's for others. I, don't, I got something going on over here, don't I? Do we know what that is? Mike. Or a robot, can I get somebody out here? (laughs) Figure that out? It's one of your newfangled devices, unbelievable. Don't cheer for him, he left something on that shouldn't be. (laughs) 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 He's just trying to tell me I I still need him, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's good, really good. So every year around Thanksgiving, Um, I start to pray about what question I'm going to wrestle with for the year. Like what question that God might be asking of me. And um, there's new questions sometimes every year and sometimes not. Sometimes I've had, I had a couple years ago, the same question came up two years in a row for me as I was talking to God about what's a question you want me to wrestle with this year personally, God. But this year, and I'm not sure if this will resonate with you, But I'm pretty sure that for 2023, God is asking me this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now, it came to me when I was in a COVID fog, okay? So I will admit that. But what are you waiting for is the question that I feel like God is wanting me to wrestle with. And this has already set me off in several new quests, in several areas of my life personally. And it's helped me gain some traction, I think, on our question this morning. What is God asking of us? So, what are you waiting for, is the question that I've been wrestling with. And if you think about it, so much of life is waiting. It's like, since I've been wrestling with this question, I'm like, wow, I I wait a lot, often. We wait for packages to arrive, we wait for Christmas to come so we can open presents, we can put ourselves on a wait list to get a table at a restaurant, or to get a product uh, right when it comes out, or when it back in stock, we wait for a raise or for pr- promotion, we wait in line for food or movies or rides at the fair, seems like we're always waiting, we say things like, I can't wait, and what that really means is, I will wait for this, right, I will wait for this thing, we, we, then we say things, when we get it, that was worth the wait, kids will ask, are we there yet, which means they're tired of waiting. I've spent a lot of time in the doctor's office in the last six weeks, and um, so here's one of the things I've noticed about that is that at least an hour, I have to mark out for every visit to the doctor at least an hour, but only 15 minutes of that is with the doctor. The rest is spent in this special room that we build that we call waiting rooms. Like, that's all you do in there. So waiting is a big part of life. Timex, in fact, did a... Research and um, this is about 10 years ago and they wanted to look at how much do people wait for different things? And this is what they discovered on average Americans spend 32 minutes waiting for the doctor. I guess my doctor's a little slower than that um, It just feels like an hour. We spend 13 hours each year waiting on hold for customer service 38 hours each year in traffic. It's less in Baroda, probably more in st. Joe, okay? <laughs> But that's, think about that, that's half a day on hold and a day and a half in traffic. The, per, the average person spends seven minutes a day waiting for a cup of coffee. Here's one for married folks, okay? Um, Americans spend 21 minutes waiting for their spouse to get ready to go out, which I would be thrilled with that uh if we could get it down to 21 minutes but personally that doesn't bother it doesn't bother me it's waiting to go out it's the waiting to go back home that really gets me that I patiently enjoy for what Lisa calls the 45 minute goodbye and so like it takes her forever to get out of her room so some of our waiting just happens in life right like we don't choose it It just happens, like waiting in traffic or waiting for Christmas. But many times the waiting is for we choose to wait because it's for something that we want, it's for something that we think we need. So we might decide not to wait if we don't think it's worth the wait. It's such a common phrase, worth the wait. Oh, it was worth the wait. Or no, it wasn't worth the wait. We talk about that all the time. Like we'll just pick a different restaurant if the wait is too long. And so you just call the next restaurant. By the way, I, I looked this up. There is a, the, the longest wait list for a restaurant in the world is a New York restaurant named after the chef, Damon uh, Burrell. The wait list is currently right now 10 years. 10 years. You ready? For this, all right? I don't think so. I do not think so. I can get a Martha Thomas chocolate chip cookie right now i'm not waiting 10 years for that but anyways not worth the wait for me but the truth is if something's worth the wait we will wait a long time that me here's what that means that what we wait for reveals what it is that we want what it is that we value our deepest needs we we can those can be revealed to us when we look at our life and we go what are we willing to wait for we wait in line at the drive-through when we're hungry we wait in line at Disney World for Avatar. If you haven't been on that, that is worth the wait. We will wait on hold with tech support when something's broke down that we've got to get fixed. The wait list for the Green Bay Packers season tickets, 25 years. 25 years. The good news is for the Detroit Lions, it's a lot less than that, <laughs> a lot less. We choose to wait for things that are worth it, that are worth it. So what's something that you find yourself Waiting for. What's something you find yourself waiting for? Do you keep waiting for life to be less stressful? I do. Are you waiting to have enough money? Are you waiting for your kids to act differently? Uh, Maybe you're waiting for retirement. What are you waiting for? There's a verse in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's, It's kind of familiar. Some of us might have heard this before. That references waiting. And it goes like this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Did you know, and I didn't know that this until this week, there's not one place in the Bible that tells us to wait for God. It's always wait upon the Lord. Wait upon lord there's waiting and then there's waiting and apparently there is a difference between waiting for god and waiting upon god now i know that when i wait for god it's always like arms folded you know checking my watch tapping my like you know what's going on and so the question that i'm when i'm waiting for god it's like god what is taking you so long what's taking you so long Now, the problem with the way that I approach that is that it doesn't take God a long time to do anything. It doesn't take God any amount of time to do anything. There's nothing inept about God. There's nothing incapable about God. There's nothing incomplete about God. There's nothing he can't handle, nothing he can't do. There's nothing that keeps God from doing what he wants to do for us right now. There's nothing keeping him from giving us all that he wants us to have and experience right now. Only unless there's something about us that won't or can't receive it. What if while we think we're waiting for God, what's really going on is this. God is waiting for us. Maybe God is waiting for us To start waiting upon him. Waiting for God. And waiting upon God. What if they're two different things? Waiting for God versus waiting upon God. Might be a matter of just asking a better question. That puts us on like a better quest. Maybe when it comes to waiting we need to. Stop waiting like a customer in a restaurant and start waiting like a waiter. And soak that one in for a second. That changes everything, right? Completely changes like how we picture ourselves in relationship to God when we go to him for something. It makes the question not, hey God, what is taking so long? It makes the question, God, may I take your order? This changes us from a waiter to a waiter. And that's a very different thing. See, here's the thing. It's never a question of whether or not God can do something for us when we come to him with some request. The question is not, the question is, What is he inviting us into? Because waiting upon God requires us usually to do something, to do something. And it could be almost anything. I don't mean do something as in accomplish something for God so that then he'll do something for us. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, we talk about that all the time as this religious transaction. That is not what God is about but what God does seem to be about when we look in the Bible is he invites us to freely choose to enter into something with him that changes us in a way that we will and we can accept what it is that he's trying to give us so I'll just give you a one quick example that is I think kind of passive hopefully so we don't mistake this as we're doing God a favor and then God will do us one. It might be, all right, that God is waiting for us to wait upon him. And when we do that, it's to engage and take his order, take his direction, receive his invitation. And it might be an invitation to some serious self-reflection. Like, is there something in me that makes me not ready to receive what God is giving? Now, I've used this example before about forgiveness. But um, I think it's a, it's a good one. Years ago, Lisa and I were having a very enthusiastic discussion and possibly related to her 45-minute goodbyes. And um, finally, Lisa kind of reached across the table, grabbed my hands, and she said, Mike, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> right, so Lisa was giving me, she was offering me forgiveness. But that doesn't mean I was forgiven. Why? Why? Because I didn't think I needed it. I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't waiting for forgiveness. I was waiting for her to realize she was wrong and I was right. I'm still waiting, by the way, on that one. Just by the way, quick aside on forgiveness that I think is an example of what we're trying to get at here. For, I found this out this week. In Hebrew, the word for forgiveness is makala. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it comes from another Hebrew word, makol, which means, oddly enough, to dance. That's where that word forgiveness ultimately derives from in Hebrew. For the ancient Jews, forgiveness then was not, it was was something to do, I'm sorry, it was something to do. It was like learning to dance with your past. Forgiveness was not an achievement, and it certainly was not an answer. It was not a possession. It, it, it was an acceptance. It was learning to harmonize our present life with our past. And the point is, if, if we're waiting for something from God, say, for example, like forgiveness, as in, and we think of it as a feeling or an answer or an accomplishment or a possession or a conclusion, Maybe what God is trying to give us is eluding us because while we're waiting for God to do something for us, he's waiting for us to wait upon him, to take his order and to follow him into, in this case, a dance. A dance with the past, learning to harmonize our lives with it. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know what it is that you're waiting for, but it might be possible that God has already given and he's currently giving you all that you need to harmonize you with your best life, your life with his. Could that be what God is asking of us? A couple of weeks ago, I received a very surprising and wonderful phone call um, from a former Young Life kid of mine, Joe. And Joe graduated from uh, Lakeshore High School quite a while ago. Uh, Gosh, he's older now. Uh, I'm not, but he is. And um, he went on to tell me a really hard and sad and really beautiful and amazing story about how God has been moving in his life. And um, all that has happened to him, and in him, and for him, to get into the place where he is now waiting upon God, because I think he's realized God is worth it. So Joe is actually with us here this morning, and from Chicago, and his church there uh, made this video to help him share some of his story.
1: I am from uh, Southwest Michigan, in a town called St. Joe. Uh, Joe from St. Joe. Growing up in church, my grandfather was a pastor. I was baptized at a very young age. Um, I did the Sunday school, did the memory verses. I love doing those memory verses and get competitive with my classmates and think that I own them um, on, on that competition. I really enjoyed that and gave me a really good uh, foundation growing up for, for my faith. You know, you leave home and you go out to college and the world is your oyster, you know? The focus was um, having a good time, being accepted, um, kind of rolling with the crowd. That That freedom and that free will that like my path kind of veered a little bit. I got wrapped up in in having too good of a time. For me, it was like there was always there was always a beer or there was always a drink involved, and I just thought that was it, it was normal. I was m- maybe not paying attention um, to some of the things that people had told me along the way about my lifestyle. I mean, I was in no man's land. Um, couldn't see. There were there were signs along the way of friends dying through through alcoholism and through addiction that um man i didn't look in the mirror but god continued to bless me i was thankful frankly to be alive after after um what i put myself through and and maybe even um the the people around me through i got married during covid i was not a good spiritual leader for um for that marriage and I think it took um, a failed marriage um, for me to realize that my addiction and, um, I guess my over usage of alcohol and having a good time um, got in the way of, of what was most important. The actual uh, rings were exchanged and we said, um, you know, it was like, can't do it anymore. Um, and so um, it was that next day that um, I threw myself into recovery. Baptism signified a fresh start, owning my mistakes and trying to move forward. I didn't like who I was. I wasn't wasn't hitting my potential and who I know God wants me to be. And the baptism was for me a, a washing way of all the all the stuff that I, I, I thought life was supposed to be like. After baptism, it's just this idea of living inside out versus outside in. Being able to share a story in hopes that it impacts somebody else is like how I've connected with other people in the past and how they've impacted me and hopefully my story would resonate for them to take a leap of
0: faith. you sharing that with us? You know, maybe this question that God is asking us, like, what are you waiting for? Is this invitation to do what Joe did? To take an inventory of our lives, to stop and search ourselves and discover what are we waiting upon? What are we waiting upon? What do we think is worth waiting upon and to consider just just to play that out and to consider will it work if we actually even get it maybe we need to search ourselves to see if we are waiting for God or is God waiting for us to wait upon him when we wait upon God like a waiter Like a servant. The Bible says we will renew our strength. To renew is to exchange is one way to think about it. And this abundant life that we talk about so much when we're together. The abundant life that Jesus has promised us is all about this exchange. Our missing of the mark for his bullseye. Our poverty for his abundance. Our languishing for his flourishing. We exchange our absence for his abundance when we wait upon god when we look to him for direction when we hear his invitation when we step into that when we go f- living inside out like joe said when we move into that it's amazing how we begin to hear god see god and receive what it is that he's probably already giving us in one place Jesus describes it like this. It's like exchanging our yoke for his. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light but notice in that in that what Jesus is saying there's still a yoke like just like oxen used to plow the field and they put the yoke over their shoulders so they could pull this plow a yoke is placed upon them because there's something for them to do the yoke god has placed upon us is to wait upon him may i take your order god may i take your order And now the question really becomes, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for to ask that question? You know, when a new year begins, we often try to take some time to remember the quest that God has um, invited us into together as a community. And we try to sprinkle some of those reminders into a lot of the first messages in, in January and in February. And so... The question is, like, how do we discern that? How do we know what God is calling us together into? And a huge part of it, it frankly, is just, trying to, is just hearing from one another and going, what really resonated? What have we been talking about that really sticks? And sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it does. And so, uh, you know, what questions, thoughts, and ideas that we've explored together from the story of Jesus and his gospel of grace, what have, has really struck a chord with us as a community. So for example, as I mentioned earlier, several years ago, we we reflected on the difference between believing in God and this question. Do we really believe that Jesus knew what he was doing? Another way of putting it is, do we really believe Jesus knew how to help people find faith or discover it in the grace of God and to form faith or deepen it? And a question like that changes what life is about, and it certainly changes what church is for. From believing, like making sure that we believe X, Y, and Z about God, to looking at Jesus' life, his ways, the how of how he lived and led as a model for us to emulate. Did Jesus know how to run a church, guide and lead a community of people? If so, how did he do that? And what can we do to emulate that in our time and in our place to help anyone and everyone discover and deepen the life of faith? And what we saw over and over again is that, like we saw with Joe here, that when you discover the goodness and grace of God, you're, you are compelled to share it. So questions like this aren't looking for answers. They're, they're much more like a compass that set us off in a particular direction. A particular direction. Even, you know, our question this morning, you know, what are you waiting for? That question probably doesn't have an answer, but it almost certainly will point us Godward. In a Godward direction. So for example, when it became clear that many of us were deeply struck by the question, do we really believe that Jesus knew what he was doing? Was he trying to model what a community of faith could look like? It led us into other questions as we looked at how did Jesus then form a community? How did he form a community? What did they do together? How did he help people to to discover faith and then deepen faith? How did he orient his church and the life of faith lived out together? And it seemed to us like most of the time he was pointing his first followers outward that was a consistent theme and so that's where we began to wonder this together maybe the best church for us is the church that isn't for us it's for others now that seems so upside down and so backward in today's world where everything is about me and mine and consuming things and accumulating facts and racking up experiences but rarely about what's expected of us from us for others but it seems to be the way of Jesus. Now, the band's gonna perform a song right now, a song that I just love, and we do it at least once, sometimes twice a year, because it's really like an anthem of sorts for me, personally, and I think for, for a lot of us who resonate with the mission of Storyline. And, and while they're singing, I'd like to invite us to consider what questions do we have about life and the life of faith? What questions have we asked together that really resonate for you? And most importantly, what are you waiting for? What are you hoping for? And how does that influence what or who you are waiting upon? What or who are you taking orders from?
2: I've got a lot of loose ends, I've done some damage, I've cut the rope so it frayed, I've got a lot of good friends, keeping me distracted, keeping my sanity safe. drink a little too much, it makes me nervous, I've got my grandfather's blood, and I take a little too much, without giving back, if blessed are the meek then I'm cursed, Steady he had. I wanna learn how to love, not just the feeling. There are the consequences. I
0: So i love the honesty in that song and the longing and how both come together to lead into a new direction i've made these ledges i need help and i want to be better for others i want to learn how to love maybe that is what god is asking of us that kind of humility and transparency that kind of longing and that kind of love maybe what that maybe that's what we are waiting for And it can only be found as we wait upon God and set off on the quest that he's given us together. I think this is what the first followers of Jesus discovered. You know, because it's the life that they led, because of the life he led them into. They were definitely out on a ledge and they were waiting upon God. And the order, the direction that they took from him came down to this. It was one common conviction, Jesus is Lord. One common command, go. And one common call, love. And this became not their answer, but their quest. Their quest, their way to live. Go and love people so that everyone everywhere can enjoy and experience, embody and extent, ex- extend The love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and the grace of God as demonstrated and made possible by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. As we consider personally what questions God is asking us, I think the start of a new year is a good time to remember the quest that God has given us together. And and how waiting upon God has led us Godward toward living like god lives which is for others that i would submit is the abundant life that's the life of meaning and purpose waiting for what is truly worthy building our life on the firm foundation of waiting upon god
2: the only one who could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe
0: We live for you all
2: oh, we live for you And holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you
0: Look, we're, we're all waiting for something. What are you waiting for? What are we hoping in? What are we hoping for? We're one month in to this new year in 2023. And it's already clear to all of us that this year is going to be as challenging, if not more so, <laughs> than the past, right? We all have questions. We all have obstacles. We all have issues. And there are things that we are surely Praying to God about, asking God for, and then waiting. And so it's very natural to ask the question God, what are you waiting for? This morning, I'd like to invite us to really listen for His response. It may not be a formal request, but I think we may find He is saying, I'm waiting for you to start waiting upon me. So what are you waiting for? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place and this opportunity to be together. I pray that in spite of our personal needs and challenges and issues and questions, in the midst of our own failures and doubts and false starts, that you would show us how to wait upon you, take direction from you, accept your invitation and live like you, loving and serving others. And I pray that as we do so, we'll sense the very foundation of our life strengthen. so that no matter what we face, we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not grow faint. Thank you for being a God who answers our questions with such a gracious quest. As we leave this morning, help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. Hope to see you next week at Commercial Sunday.